Have you ever been to a, a movie and you hated the ending? Right? You're sitting there with your popcorn, following everything, and all of a sudden the credits start to roll, and you go, what? It can't be over now. You can't end the movie here. What about, and you'll name this character, and, and what about this, and you'll name this thread of the plot. You want to know what happened, and it bugs you forever. And you leave the theater mad. Right? That's not the way that thing should have ended. I need to know the end of the story. I want to know what happened. And you call your friends. I hated that movie. Why? The ending. Of course, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish because you're talking about it long after you leave the movie. We want things tied up. We want things to come to a nice end. We, we want things to be wrapped up. We want to understand everything. And then we have the Gospel of Mark, who doesn't seem to have the same pressure that we feel to have it all wrapped up. This is a very bad ending to the Gospel of Mark. It's a very clumsy way to end it. And when you finish reading the story, you're mad. You want Mark to tell you more. You're so mad, you tell all your friends. And we've been doing that for 2,000 years. The Gospel of Mark, beginning with chapter 16. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. And very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying one to another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? And then looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the, on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's gone ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you. And they went out and ran from the tomb, because trembling and, and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And they ran out from the tomb because trembling and astonishment had overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Like the women, we come early this morning to a tomb that is empty and trying to figure out what happened. We pray that as you confirmed your resurrection to them, that you would do so in these moments to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. See what I mean? Isn't this the most frustrating ending to anything that you've ever seen? I mean, this is the greatest story that has ever been told. And Mark is a great storyteller. He has been leading us up to this moment. And now we come to chapter 16, the resurrection. Jesus is alive. And where's Jesus? The main character. He's not even in the scene. He's gone. We start Easter late. The women get there too late. He's already, do you know we do not have one story 
of anyone who believed the resurrection. Now, understand what, now listen to what I'm saying. We do not have anyone who thought that Jesus would actually be raised from the dead. The disciples weren't there. They were hiding. They thought it was over. The women did not come to witness the resurrection. They came to complete the funeral. It was called off due to life, but <laughs> no one believed. And then Mark gives us this story, eight verses. This is the story. Three women coming to a tomb, wondering how they're going to get into the tomb in the first place. Now you think they would have thought of that before they got there. But they were so messed up from all that had happened. They were so confused. They just wanted to get this thing done. They wanted it finished. And when they get there, the tomb is open. Mark tells us there's a guy dressed in white. He doesn't even say angel. Some of your translations say angel, but Mark doesn't say angel. He just says guy dressed in white. We don't know who this guy is. He could have been the pizza delivery man. We don't know. I want Mark to tell me. I want wings. If there's an angel, I want wings. Nothing. Just a guy sitting there where Jesus was. And they're astonished. Don't be afraid, he tells them. Too late. Have you ever noticed in the Bible when God says, don't be afraid, when Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's always too late? I'm already afraid. I'm looking in there and we don't know what's going on. Here's what we know. Jesus was dead. Jesus was stone cold, dead as a doornail, dead. The Roman soldiers were professional killers. If they had had any doubt in their mind that Jesus was not totally and completely dead, they would have finished the job. They would have stabbed him with a spear. They would have broken his legs. They would have stabbed him again with a sword. They would have made sure Jesus was dead, and they were confident he was dead. They knew that Jesus had been buried. They watched it. They saw them seal the tomb so nobody could get in it. And now here they are looking at the place where Jesus was. And they're overcome. Uh, the, the words that, that, that Mark uses has to do with that emotion of where you are surprised and shocked, scared and excited all at the same time and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to run or stay still. You don't know where to fight or, or you, you just don't know. It's one of those times when you're just overwhelmed and you kind of freeze. That's how these women are now feeling. And here's what they know. Jesus is gone and the tomb is empty. Go tell the disciples he's waiting on them. He's waiting in Galilee just like he promised. And tell Peter. Now can you imagine if you were Peter? Now the last time we have the story of Peter, he is falling, uh, failing Jesus. He is uh, falling on his face. He is denying that he even knows Jesus and cursing to make his point. He is, he is crumbling under the intense interrogation of a teenage girl. And that's the last we have of Peter. And now the women come and say, guys, 
Jesus is waiting for you in Galilee, right back where it all started. And, and Pete, he's looking for you. Dun, 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 dun. Big music. And that's all we know. Jesus is gone. Jesus isn't buried anymore. Jesus will not stay in the grave. And that's not the last time we have tried to bury Jesus, is it? Ever so often a new rage will come in that say, well, Jesus isn't alive. He faked his death. And we'll have a rash of books around Easter because that's when you go buy them. And it'll tell us that Jesus just passed out and when he was in the cold of the tomb, he came back to consciousness and he walked out of the tomb, somehow pushed over this heavy stone that had been sealed, got by the guards, found Mary Magdalene, married her, and they moved to the south of France. That, I'm not making that up. That is a real theory that is out there. But he won't stay buried, will he? Over and over again the world will tell us that the church is declining, the church is going away, and over again we find that there, there are millions of believers all over the world. And maybe the church is declining in North America, but it's exploding in China. It's exploding in Africa. It's exploding in South America, Latin America. Listen, if God, if you want to let God work someplace, you'll find some place that will let Him work. One monkey doesn't stop the show. And just because America is in a crisis of belief doesn't mean the church is struggling. Not at all. He won't stay buried. He's on the move. You know, we think, a lot of scholars worry that this is not the true ending of Mark. Uh, you know, the scrolls were put together and literally you would paste one piece of parchment to another and you, would, and you would have this long sheet and you would roll it up. And they think that maybe the last page of the parchment fell off somewhere. So they added this other ending. 9 through 20 is a later writing that they put on there. What we really have from Mark is 16, 1 through 8, what we read this morning. And people are angry because that's no way to end the book. And so they tried to add an ending to it. Or maybe, maybe Mark told us everything we needed to know. Everything we need is in those first eight verses. And the whole thing comes down to the witness of three scared women. Now, ladies, don't get mad. Do not email me. I'm just trying to give you the cultural context, okay? In the day that this book was written, women could not testify in court. Women were not considered to be reliable witnesses. Don't email me. I'm just telling you. If you had a case where the only witness was a woman, you had no case at all. One of the reasons that theologians think that the, the story is accurate is because Mark would never make up a lie this bad. If he was going to tell a false story, he would not have women being his first witnesses. 
He would have more credible witnesses in the eyes of his readers. But the three women have the message, and it's the three women who go and tell the disciples, this is what's going on. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He took our sin into the tomb with him, but he did not bring the sin back out. What he brought out was new life, a second chance. And he's going back to the place where it all started. Remember, remember Peter? Remember when I first walked on the shores of Galilee where you were fishing and I called you? Do you remember when you followed me? You didn't get it the first time. Let's try it again. I told you who I was. You didn't get it. I told you what would happen. You didn't believe me. I told you what the Roman soldiers would do and what my enemies would have done to me. And you said it would never happen. Now you didn't get it at all. So let's go back to the place where it started and let's start again. One more time. I'm going to walk on those shores of Galilee. I'm there. Will you come follow now? Now that you know, now that you've seen, will you come follow again? It's John that tells us what happens when Jesus and Peter get together on those shores of Galilee. You remember the story? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. And he asked Peter three times. Three times Peter had denied him. Three times Peter affirms his love for Jesus. Each time Jesus answers, feed my sheep. Let's go back. Let's start again. I'm going to give you one more chance. One more chance. How many chances do you get? I don't know. That's always a big argument, isn't it? When is your last chance your last chance? I don't know. Here's what I do know. That this Jesus who was in that tomb so long ago was raised from the dead by the power of God, conqueror of death, conqueror of sin, bringer of new life. And the same risen Jesus is doing what he has always been doing, seeking the lost, releasing the hostages, liberating the captives. I remind you all the time, the good news of the gospel is not that you found Jesus. I always get tickled when people come and tell me I found Jesus, and I remind them Jesus wasn't lost. Jesus found you. You were the one lost. And I don't know where you were when Jesus found you. I, I don't know the, the circumstances, the stories. We all have that story of where we were when we realized that Jesus has now come to us. And you feel just like Peter must have felt. All the times you failed, all the mistakes, all the times you've promised, and nothing has been kept. And now you hear the news. Jesus is alive. 
and he's looking for you. Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's looking for you. See the tomb where we laid him, he is not here. He's looking for you. The cross couldn't keep him from coming to you. Death could not hold him from rescuing you. Tell the disciples, tell Peter, tell Mike, tell you, I'm waiting for you. I don't know how many chances you've had in the past. I know you have this chance. I don't know how many chances you will have in the future. I just know you have this chance. Jesus is alive. You have one more chance. Let's pray together. With your head's bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to embarrass you. But some of you are sure that you are so far away that not even Jesus can get to you. Death couldn't hold him back, neither will anything else. The good news is that Jesus has come. He's looking for you. Right here, right now. This is not a story about how many times you've messed up. It's not a story about how many times you have failed. It's a story about a Jesus who will not be hindered from getting to you, who won't let anything stop him. And now he's here. Perhaps it's for forgiveness. For, for, perhaps it's for healing. Perhaps it's for your salvation. And you, now this is the time for you to know. Our ministers will be at these prayer stations at the front. They'll be in the table in the back in the atrium. Big sign says, next step. Don't leave here not knowing what this Jesus looking for you means and the difference it can make. You come. Jesus is waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray now that the choices we make are exactly what you want. 